Well, good morning. It's great to be back. Last week I was in uh, Newcastle, and uh, it was uh, great to be with the church there. Um, but uh, And Rob and I are going back on Wednesday. It's great to be a church that's part of a family of churches, helping other churches through various uh, stuff and life that happens in church. And so it's great to be uh, with them, but I prefer being here. Um, in fact, I was sitting on the couch. They only start at 10 o'clock in the morning. And um, I was uh, sitting on the couch there waiting to, to go to church and knew you guys had already started. So suddenly he said to them, hey, let's, let's check out Rec Road online. You know, that's the first time I've kind of done that with another pastor in another town. So how's it to all you guys online? Uh, but I so prefer having you guys in the room and it's an exciting day. It feels like I'm really loud. I know uh, Warren doesn't like me to say that, but it feels like I'm really loud. Then I can't get excited. Um, but uh, don't cut me off now, Warren. You, you see, you've really got to look after your sound guy. Just all turn around and look at Warren. He's the big guy in blue. Just say, we love you, Warren. All of you. So, um, what was I saying? <laughs> um, tonight, uh, we're relaunching our evening services. You've, you've seen that. And today, we're launching our service, uh, our series, Do It Again. And uh, I want to encourage you to really pray about the evening service, that it really draws new people in once again. We, we want both services absolutely filled with people, new people who are coming to know and love Jesus and becoming dedicated followers of Jesus, whether that's AM or PM. And uh, so I want to encourage you to, to keep praying for that. Uh, pray for our teams. Uh, last week we asked many of you to, to fill in uh, a form to say, how can you serve? I want to encourage you to never have a spectator mindset about church, but to, to jump in, to involve yourself. Um, because what I found is that when you do, actually you get more than you give. And uh, so we need people to serve in various ways, AM and PM. I want to encourage you. I want to invite you. The best thing I can do is get you in the game. It's better to be on the field than to be a spectator, and so I want to encourage you to find a way that you can do that. Lastly, by way of introduction, today is a very special day for the guys in Ilfracom, for Rec Road Ilfracom. Today is the first time in four years that they've ever had a meeting with windows and doors. And uh, if I'd thought earlier, I would have... I was trying to Bluetooth an image to Tessa in the middle of worship, which I shouldn't have done. I should have been focusing on Jesus, and which is probably why it didn't work. But um, amazing that that congregation has not moaned. You know, when it's cold here, we close those doors. Eh? You've been on one of those Sundays. They've never had windows and doors, and yet for four years they've met every Sunday. Isn't that amazing? Why don't we just close our eyes and let's just pray a blessing over, so the, the building got plastered this week and it got doors and windows all in, all in one, one week. What a, what a joy. They're going to have a celebration right now. They start at 10. Uh, so let's just pray for them. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for our brothers and sisters in Christ there in Ilfracom. Thank you, Lord, that you've never stopped doing a work with them. Lord, thank you that it's not just about a building and a facility, although today our hearts are full as we rejoice with them. 
that they get to be in a building. It's still not finished, but it's got doors and windows. And Lord, we just want to say thank you, Jesus, for every rand that's been given. Lord, that, that, that that church would continue to have a powerful testimony, that you would magnify the testimony in that community. We ask that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Great. So I get the privilege of preaching the first message in our series, Do It Again. And uh, um, so I want to start by just giving a little bit of an intro to the series, which will then take nine weeks right up to the week before Christmas. And, uh, and to, to, to get you going, it's really a series that I've got such an excitement about. The, when we've been praying about it and preparing, I've had this growing sense of excitement. And it's not an excitement that a preacher normally has. Preachers are always excited about preaching. But really, for me, it's not so much an excitement about preaching the series, but rather what God wants to do in your life and in my life through the series. Just tell the person next to you, God wants to do something in your life. You didn't just come to church. God wants to do something in your life. And you say it like you mean it, okay? Convince them. Because God wants to do something in our lives through this period. And I really believe that He is going to do that. You know, the book of Acts, I wish I actually had my physical Bible with me right now. But the book of Acts is not just simply a history of the early church. It's not just a story of the things that happened in the early church. Rather, the book of Acts is like an inspiration for us to seek God. God, would you do it again? So you can read the book of Acts and you can say, oh, that's interesting. Or you can read the book of Acts and you can say, God, I want you to do these things in my life. I want you to do these things in this church. Do it again, Lord. So it ends up becoming a prayer. So when you read the Bible, it's not just information, but it stirs something inside of you that doesn't leave you unchanged, but it actually causes something to come out of you, which is a prayer and a passion. And so we believe that this series will inspire us as we read and as we preach through the book of Acts, not the whole book, but nine messages on the book of Acts. As we do this, we are trusting God that the levels of faith, the levels of expectation in our individual lives and in the life of the church are going to rise. But when you read the book of Acts, and when you read the Gospels, and when you read other passages of Scripture, you might identify with something that I'm about to say. When you read the book of Acts, something can happen to you where as you're reading, there's a gap between what you're reading and what you're experiencing in your life right now, or what you're experiencing in the church. Do you know what I'm talking about? Just check you've got a pulse. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know you've got a mask on. Sometimes there's a gap. I was laughing with some other preachers the other day that later in the book of Acts, Paul preaches so long that a guy falls asleep in a window, falls out the building, dies. So they go downstairs, they bring him up, they raise him back to life, and Paul carries on preaching. Hallelujah. But, you know, when you read about a mighty healing or you read about the Holy Spirit coming in the room and the whole place shaking or tongues of fire and, and, and people getting transported from one place to another and angels. And does it not cause you to feel like in 2020, like, is this just history or is there a gap? And when you face a gap between what you're experiencing and what you're reading in the Scripture, there's a potential trap there. 
It's the gap that causes you to then ask the question, what should I do with the gap? I've read this. I've seen this. I've, I've, I've heard about this. I believe that this happened. This isn't fiction. But this is actually what I'm presently experiencing. And, and really, you, you're faced with two options. And the first option, and I'm not speaking against any churches now, the first option is that you downgrade what you see in Scripture. You downgrade it so that it kind of matches what you're experiencing. You might say, well, how do you downgrade it? Well, you kind of, you reason it away. Well, you see, well, that was Jesus. Have you ever heard someone say that? Or have you ever thought that? Oh, well, what's happening here is, oh, that's Jesus. Or, well, these are the apostles. Or some people will say, no, no, you see, what God was doing then was that was for the book of Acts, but it's not for now. Some churches actually believe that, that, that what happened in the book of Acts is kind of for the book of Acts, and it's not for now. And so what you've actually done is you, you're watering down or you're downgrading. You're downgrading what you're reading so that it matches your expectations or what you're experiencing. Does that make sense? That's the one option. And so some people do this with the book of Acts. They do it with the activity of the Holy Spirit in the early church. As the Holy Spirit was on the early church, the, the, the people, Peter, a bumbling idiot following Jesus who was very keen but not very wise, when the Holy Spirit falls on him, he stands up to the gathered crowd and he preaches. He preaches in front of authorities. He preaches in Roman, uh, in Roman settings. He preaches to cities. He stands up and preaches because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. We, we, we see the disciples, everyday believers, wherever they go, when they get scattered, they just share the gospel wherever they go. God, would you do that again in our day? We see people healed. We see people raised from the dead, all empowered by the Holy Spirit. We see supernatural guidance. You see visions and dreams and angels and prophecy leading God's people. And maybe you're saying, Lord, do it again. We see people praying with a spiritual prayer language and a worship language, the, the gift of speaking in tongues. We see the Spirit coming on people and then prophesying about a famine that will come. We see signs and wonders. We see miraculous generosity. As the Holy Spirit fell on the church in Acts, by Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, they are selling their property so that no one had any need in the church. Isn't that a remarkable statement? When we see all of this going on, when we're faced with this gap, the one option is to say, well, that was a special time, a unique era, and God's not doing that anymore. So we can read it and be interested. Our minds can be tickled, but we shouldn't be expecting that in the present. But hallelujah, there's another option. Can I hear an amen? There is another option, and guess which option I'm going for? Any guess? Option two, this is the other option, is to take the gap, which today happens to be the mat, the gap between what you've read and what you're currently experiencing, and to turn that into a provocation for prayer, to, call, to cause something to rise up in your heart, which I would call holy discontent. It means sometimes when you're discontent, it's sinful, but sometimes when you're discontent, there's something inside of you that says, Lord, I'm not satisfied with this, but it's not an evil dissatisfaction. It's a good dissatisfaction. Do you know what I mean? 
It's a holy discontent. It's saying, I'm not happy to just be experiencing this. God, if it's in Scripture, I believe you can do it again today. Can you hear it? And that leads you to prayer. Holy discontent is the healthy desire, and the, 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 which becomes a prayer saying, God, do it again. Do it again, what you read in Scripture. Holy discontent refuses to reduce the Bible to your own experience, but rather says, God, I want my experience to come up to what I read in the Bible. Rather, a holy discontent sees passages like the ones we're going to look at during this whole series as descriptive of what is possible when we're empowered by the Spirit. If we will cry out to God and say, God, would you do it again in my life? Would you do it in our church? If we're filled with the Spirit like the early church was. And if we ask God, not just to fill us, but we say we're willing to obey when you speak to us, which is a really key thing. The elders and I, we met yesterday, and just the other day we were talking how in Acts 13, the elders of the church in Antioch were meeting to pray. We met yesterday to pray about next year. And in my head, I was thinking, in Acts 13, they met to pray, and some of them didn't go home. They went on Paul's first missionary journey because the Holy Spirit said, hey, you two, go on a missionary journey for me. And they left the prayer meeting and went on a missionary journey. Imagine Nadine. So, sorry, where are you? Uh, the Holy Spirit said. <laughs> I'd have some explaining to do. Would you agree? Don't you want to go to prayer meetings where there's a, not just, oh, how long are we going to pray for? Or this person prays so long every time. But rather you go over the prayer meeting thinking, what's going to happen? Do you want to go to a church where you know exactly what's going to happen? You know, the time is now one minute to ten, then he's going to scratch. Or do you want to go to a church where you think, buckle your seatbelts, I have no idea what's going to happen today. Which church do you want to be part of? The church in the book of Acts was a buckle your seatbelts type of church. Let's be that church. Amen? Brothers and sisters of Rec Road Church, let's treat these nine messages from the book of Acts, not as interesting sermons, I hope they preach nice sermons, but as prayer pointers, as, as things that stir up desire in us, provoke a holy discontent in us, and cause us to cry out together as a church, as individuals, and as a church, God, do it again. So right now, why don't you stand up, I want us to pray for this whole series. Let's just stand and let's just pray. I'm going to get you to stand at least three times today. So uh, we're not going Anglican, but uh, I'm going to get you to go up and down a few times. Just close your eyes. Why don't you just pray right where you are? I know you've got a mask on. Just pray, God, would you do it again in our day? We don't want to just read. We don't want to just have our ears tickled. God, we want to have our hearts provoked. Cause us, Lord God, to be rallied into a new dimension of faith, Lord, as a people. We ask for this, Jesus. Lord, we can't do any of this stuff. We say, God, would you do it in our hearts? But change us at the level of our desires. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's jump into our first message. And um, the first thing that we're going to look at about this early church in the book of Acts is that this church was a community centered around Jesus. That's what today's message is all about. And I've only got two points. And the first one is that the early church was a community that had literally gathered around the person of Jesus Christ. 
if you read the end of all the Gospels, if you read all of the Gospels, and particularly if you're paying attention to the end, by the time they get to the end, there aren't just 12 disciples. There's about 120 people, men and women and children. There is a community, much like the group of people in the room right now, there's this community that has been gathered around the person of Jesus. The scene is very clear. So just think of all the Gospels. And by the time you get to the end of all the Gospels and Jesus' death and resurrection, and then he's on the earth for 40 days before he ascends, you've got this community. Just look around you. A little bit bigger than this group here this morning. You've got this community, and they are all fixated on and focused on who? Jesus. They're there because of Jesus. They're not even there because their friends there. They're there because of Jesus. They had walked with Jesus. Some of them had left their nets, had left their businesses, had left their occupations, had left their sin and their shame, and they walked with Jesus. He just invited me, come, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Where are we going? No idea. Just wake up every day. Where are we going today? Jesus, just following Jesus. What are you doing? Following Jesus. Where are you going? No idea. What are we going to do today? No idea, but it'll be fun. And we'll see the glory of God. That's literally what these guys were doing. They were this crowd that had gathered around Jesus. They walked with him. They talked with him. I was thinking, you know, Newcastle's not close. eh? It's like eight hours there and back. I don't drive that slowly. And uh, so I'm going again on Wednesday. I thought, Rob, you're coming. (laughs) Then we could eight hours together in the car and we can talk and pray and we always sort out the world in the car. Well, actually, that's what Jesus was doing with the disciples. He was walking with them. How much time didn't Jesus and the disciples spend walking? You know, only Philip got transported from one place to another that we know about. But the rest of the time, they were walking, they were talking, they were sharing life with Jesus, they were finding food. I love the, the story in John 4 where the disciples are feeling like their tummies are rumbling and Jesus is talking to a woman at the well and, 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 and then... Jesus doesn't seem to be hungry, and he says, my food is, is, is the food that my father doing his will. And, and they're thinking, has he packed food somewhere else? Where did he get food from? These guys are just normal guys. They're literally, they're hungry. They're getting food with Jesus. They're watching Jesus multiply food. Can, can you picture what these people were like? They were just walking with Jesus. They shared life with Jesus. They watched Jesus literally before them put on display the love and the mercy of God. They saw Jesus touching people that you don't touch. They saw, people, they saw Jesus stopping for people that they wouldn't have stopped for. They see Jesus interacting with children and bending down and giving them honor, speaking to women who would have been invisible to the rest of society. Jesus was living in front of them, and they were seeing it all happen in front of them. And this was a community that was obedient to Jesus. If he told them, just go into here, you're going to find a donkey tied up, just untie it. Don't worry, they won't shout, you've stolen it. Just tell them that he needs it. And they go and steal a donkey. I mean, in the newspaper, they could have said two people stole a donkey. That's what they could have said, you know what I mean? Like, and then one day Jesus just says, oh, these 5,000 people, feed them. Pardon? Like, if you're into strategic planning, Jesus, you would have told us that tomorrow, yesterday at least. Like, are you not thinking ahead? They're obedient to Jesus. 
Well, this community, can you see the community? There's 120 people that had all these experiences over three, three years. This community is a community that is clearly centered on the person and the work of Jesus Christ, who he was and what he was doing. This community wasn't into dead religion. They weren't just coming here, well, I've got to come to church. I guess I should come to church. <sighs> What's for lunch? I think I need the toilet. You can come to church like that. You, you came to church. I'll never forget Kanisa one day. Kanisa is nothing like this, but I'll never forget. We decided not to have a good Friday service on Friday morning. He's like, well, then I'm going somewhere else because that's what I do. And, and, and I love it. I know Kanisa. I know that that's all hard. But if you're not careful, you can just come to church on automatic. Well, that's what I do. This group of people weren't into dead religion. They weren't into just going through some religious motions. This wasn't a group of people who had no expectations and no faith. They were literally tightening their seatbelts thinking, what's going to happen next? This group of people weren't the super moral. They hadn't won the moral contest. They were a bunch of prostitutes and tax collectors and messed up people. They weren't intellectuals. They weren't the elite thinkers of the day. They were fishermen. They weren't famous people. They weren't even a group of people who were like-minded. You know, they were all kinds of chief supporters or something like that. And they weren't all from the same background either. No, this was a diverse group of people. What brought this group of people together is one thing. They were gathered around Jesus. That's what united them. They were gathered around Jesus. It made me think of a campfire. Have you... Who likes campfires? You know, you've got a guitar and you're singing kumbaya, you know. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. When there's a campfire, people kind of arrange themselves around it. And you notice that people, when they're talking to each other, where are they looking when they're at a campfire? Do they look at each other? No, they're just kind of in a trance. Like, you know, I don't even know what we're looking at because fire like goes... But if I gave you a photo, I, I searched for some photos of campfires, you just get a group of people and they're all just, they're talking, but they're all just like that. And I was just thinking, that's what this community was like. Jesus at the center and they're all just, you know, there's someone over here, but Jesus is over there. And this person's talking to me, I'm like, yeah, Jesus is amazing. You didn't listen to me. Yeah, Jesus is amazing. Did you see what Jesus did? This group of people were like a group of people around a campfire, and Jesus was the bonfire in the middle. There was no person in center stage. There were no personalities. There were some strong personalities, but no one could outshine Jesus. They were like in the shadows. If you've been at a campfire at night, it's like you can't really see who's next to you. You're just trusting that it's still Nadine before you hug her, you know? The other people are just in the shadows, but Jesus is bright shining in the center. And so what bound this people together was that their gaze was on Jesus. And the warmth of his love was impacting all of their lives. Amen? Every single one of these people, in their own unique way, had had their life touched by Jesus. Think of Mary Magdalene. Think of the 
the jar of perfume broken over Jesus. An encounter, statements. Think of Lazarus and Martha and Mary. And each of these people had a story with Jesus. Think of all the people Jesus healed. I presume they were in the crowd too. People who were lame, but now they're walking. People whose sons were dead. Jesus goes to a funeral and he turns it into a party. He comes into Nain one day and they're coming out with a coffin and they end up having a party. I guess that guy was in the crowd and his mom. Each of the people gathered around the bonfire of Jesus had a personal life-giving relationship with Jesus. That's why they were fixated on Jesus. They had witnessed Jesus' life, his love, his death, and many had witnessed his resurrection. They knew him. They knew who he was, and they knew what he had done for them and for you and me. So let's get to our prayer. Do it again. What's the do it again moment here? Why is this important for you and for me and for Rec Road Church? Well, in the modern church, sadly, it's all too easy to gather around other things, isn't it? Things other than Jesus. People gather like moths on a, poch, uh, a porch light uh, outside around celebrity so-called pastors. I've been nauseated this week with the stuff that's been in the press about so-called pastors. It makes me so embarrassed to even, I don't even let you call me pastor, and that's one of the reasons. People who are greedy and ungodly, and they deserve nothing but to be in jail. And thousands flock around them. And you think, what are you doing? Celebrity so-called pastors, which is just a shame and a scam. It's embarrassing. Or people who gather like consumers, they look in an area like Tote and they think, ah, oh, I, wonder, I wonder which church has got the best program. You know, I'm a shopper. I, wonder which, I want to see what your kids' work looks like. Yeah, the worship band were okay. They could tighten up here or there. And we act like we're consumers, like we're buying a product. And so churches feel like, well, if we get more smoke machines and flashing lights, you know, then we can entertain you, Warren. And this is a tough one. Or if we get a really fancy building. But the people who are coming in that sort of church are just looking to be spectators. They're looking for a spiritual top-up because they don't seek Jesus during the week themselves. But you must just feed me so that I can go for another week, like a recharge in my battery. Or they come, if they're honest, they'll never say this, to be entertained. And so you get celebrity worship bands and stuff like that. You know what I'm talking about? Brothers and sisters, that's a gap between what I see in the New Testament and what can happen in our own lives, in our own church, if we're honest. and does happen elsewhere as well. Friends, this early church, and the gap between sometimes what we see in the church of Jesus Christ today is monumental. But they were gathered around the person, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and they came expectant for every encounter with Jesus. And they hung on to every single word he said. 
They didn't just add a little bit of Jesus to their lives. They gave their whole lives to Jesus. And so let's pray. Lord, would you do it again in us? Would you make us, would you make you the center of everything in our lives? Let's pray that Jesus would be the center of every one of our lives and the center of our church. Amen? Nothing else. The center of our worship, whether you're gathering here in the building, whether you're gathering in a home, uh, my trio likes to gather at Baggy's Beach on a Friday morning at some unearthly hour. Whatever gathering there is of Record Church, may Jesus be at the center. More than soccer, more than rugby, more than food, more than politics, more than anything else, may Jesus be at the center of every gathering of Recro Church. Amen. May he be the center of our worship times. May we sing songs like the song we sang at the start, well done worship band. They didn't know this was coming. But where we sing about the name of Jesus, the beautiful name of Jesus. It's so easy to sing songs about us. If you analyze the worship songs that are around these days, so few songs are actually about God. They're about us. Let's sing songs about Him. May our preaching in Record Church only be about Jesus. May Jesus be the center of our conversations. And may obeying Jesus be the center of your will and of my will. May Jesus be the center of every decision that you make. Hallelujah. Rob and I are very tired of people going and making decisions without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit, and without any leadership help, and then they just tell us, and it's too late, and we can't help you anymore. Don't make decisions like that. Put Jesus at the center, and sometimes you'll need a leader to help you to put Jesus at the center. I want to say put Jesus at the center. I just want to show our logo, because our logo is everywhere, because we like it. But I want to ask you a question. Do you know what is at the center of our logo, a black square there? Do you know what that black square represents? It's Jesus. Can you see how there are four triangles that are like arrows representing people from every tribe, language, tongue, and nation, all focused on Jesus at the center? Friends, if you didn't know it already, Jesus is the center of this church's vision. He's the center of our logo. And every time you see that, I want you to see Jesus at the center. And everything around it, the outer box is the community of faith, the church that is established around that. And all of it is centered on Jesus. And it only makes sense. It only keeps its shape because of Jesus. And then I can't resist. But then there's arrows going out. Can you see the arrows going out? Do you know what's on our lips? Jesus. Jesus is the center of everything we do. Let's pray. Let's pray that no one else would ever take center stage in this church. Amen? This is not Gareth's church. Can I hear a very loud amen? No, loud. Amen. This is no purpose to be centered around you, and I want this church's life to be centered around you. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we just come to you, we say, that's what we want. We want to be campfire mentality. We want to have you, Jesus, blazing at the center. We want you to fixate us, Lord, to captivate us, Lord, to take our full attention, Lord God. Lord, have your way in our lives. Be the vision of our lives, Lord God. I ask this in, G 
In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who hasn't yet given their life to Jesus, that today would be the day that they say, I want to put Jesus at the center of my life. Lord, I pray that they would do that right now in the mighty name of Jesus. If that's you, just say, Jesus, be the center of my life. Forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from every wrong I've ever done. I pray that your love would fill my heart and that you would save me in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, we pray for our church. We pray, God, would you do it again? What you did with that community of faith gathered around you, God, do it with us again and again in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you. Why don't you, why don't you sit down? Just one more point. Flowing out of this first point is the second point, that this community was saturated by the presence of Jesus, which is slightly different, and I'll explain what I mean in just a moment. If you know your Bible, in, in Acts chapter 1, it starts with this community around Jesus, and by verse 9 and 11, Jesus has left the building, quite literally. In fact, he left the planet. Whew. Jesus ascends. And so you might think in the book of Acts that kind of Jesus' part of the story would kind of slowly taper out, wouldn't you? Because he's just left the building. But nothing of the sort happens. Although Jesus does ascend into heaven, and although Jesus does send the promised Holy Spirit to his church, the testimony of those people who are outside of the church when they tried to understand what was happening with the early uh, believers, uh, why they were so bold, how they knew so much, when they were trying to work that out and understand, they said something which is super fascinating. When they encountered their boldness, Acts 4 records this. We're going to have it up on the screen in just a moment. Peter and John, if you just remember the story, are going to the temple in Acts chapter 3, and they meet a guy who's begging for money, and they say, we don't have money, our pockets are empty, but what we do have is, okay, two people read the Bible, what they do have is Jesus, and so I'm going to give you Jesus, and so they don't give him money, they give him legs. He stands up and walks. That's better, huh, than some food. And so he stands up and walks, and guess what happens? There's a crowd around this saying, how on earth did they manage to do this as, as would happen if you went into the middle of the Galleria and you just lifted someone up off their feet and they started running around? People would notice, right? And so there's this gathered crowd, and so what does Peter do? Empowered by the Holy Spirit, he speaks about? Okay, this is like children's church. Okay, the right answer at children's church is always Jesus. You get about 95% of, of questions right at children's church if you just say Jesus. It's going to be the same for the series. So he starts preaching about Jesus, and the guys in the temple get super irritated because they, all these people are listening to them. And so they lock them up, they throw them into jail, and the next day they're standing before the council and they're being asked to explain what happens. And so Peter starts up again. And guess who he speaks about? Je Are you getting the picture? He speaks about Jesus and he proclaims. This is what he says in verse 10. Let it be known to all of you and to the people of Israel. In other words, I'm speaking to you lot in the room right now. In fact, put it on Twitter. Put it on social media. I want the whole of Israel to know 
that by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, he's really holding back at this moment, whom God raised from the dead, you put him down, God lifted him up, graves to gardens, by him, by this man, is standing before you well. So in other words, what he's saying is this man who was paralyzed, the reason he's standing on his pegs is because of Jesus. And then he says, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. You killed him. But he's become the cornerstone, the center of the building, the most important stone in a building. And then he says, and there is salvation in no one. Say no one. In no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The name of Jesus. Did you get the download from Peter there? It's all about Jesus. He gets his opportunity. He was preaching in the temple. Now he's preaching in the, in, in, inside like he's on trial. He just takes every opportunity to preach about Jesus. You know, if you pick Peter, try that again. If you pick Peter, what you get is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Can you see that? You just go, Peter, eek, and just comes gushing out of him. It's Jesus. It's like he's saying, if you want to know how what is happening here is happening, then you need to look no further than Jesus. If you understand who Jesus is, if you understand what he came to do and what he can do for you, that's all you need to understand is Jesus. And then he says, in, uh, it says in verse 13, I absolutely love this. So now you've got the, the guys sitting there looking all important. And it says this, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were thick, that they weren't educated, that they were not clever guys, that they were just fishermen. They weren't, they weren't graduates. They were just fishermen, just ordinary guys. When they perceived these are just ordinary guys, uneducated, common men, they were astonished. They were gobsmacked. They were like, why? Because they can't believe what's happening in front of their eyes. And then, this is the thing I want to land on. They recognized that they had been with who? Jesus. In this moment, the people in the synagogue saw very clearly that the source of everything that was happening in Jerusalem, was that these guys had been with Jesus. The early church, these disciples who were standing before the authorities of the day, they were not impressive people. They had no pedigree. They had no privilege. They had no education. They had no power. They were just like you and me. But the defining feature of their lives was they had been with Jesus. And so that brings us to a do-it-again Lord moment. Why is this important for Rick Road? Why is this important for you and for me? I pray. I can't think of a better thing that could be said over a Christian 
than that when we have to sum up your life and explain why you are like you are, the answer is you've been with Jesus. Don't you think of anything better than that? I want that on my tombstone. He was with Jesus. Babe, write it down, please. I'm serious. He had been with Jesus. If I've done anything wrong, that's me. But anything right, he had been with Jesus. May our lives provoke the same sort of questions. May the people around us ask the same questions that these authorities asked. What's going on here? What's the source of what's going on here? Because they can see something's going on here. May our love for all people provoke the question, how did this happen? May our unity and diversity as a church cause other people to say, are they giving out something for free? What, how, why are these people together? May our supernatural generosity, the way that you give to the church, may that not be financially explainable, May our lives provoke a question that leads people to ask, what is the source of this? And may they not come to the conclusion, Tom's an amazing guy. May they come to the conclusion, Tom has been with Jesus. Do you see, when not amazing, sorry Tom, I do think you're amazing. When not amazing is with Jesus, it becomes amazing. Do you see that? Do you see the formula? Ordinary people with Jesus becomes amazing. Have you ever been with someone, maybe you've been in a, eleva- uh, uh, a lift, and they've put on a lot of perfume? Do you know that moment? And look, there's worse smells than perfume. But they come in, and they've got so much perfume on that an hour later, you're getting coffee, and you just, and you've still got it on you. And there was no inappropriateness. The fragrance kind of lingers. Do you know that the Bible says we're the fragrance of Jesus? I pray that you and I are so with Jesus that wherever we go, what they smell is Jesus. They encountered Jesus because of us, because we've been with Jesus. I want to say, how do you be with Jesus? These people literally walked with Jesus. How can you be with Jesus? This is simple stuff. Sometimes people say, you know, I need to go to another church because, you know, you guys are just like, you know, you... A bit like low level, the teaching here. You tell us to read our Bible all the time. Yeah, that's right. Read your Bible. You want to be with Jesus? Read your Bible. Read your Bible. You read your Bible. Don't listen to a podcast. You read your Bible. Don't, don't, don't follow some Instagram thing where they just send you some little quote every day. No, just read your Bible. Just speak with Jesus yourself. You don't need someone else in the way. If, if I want to talk to Prince, but Kanisa's in the way, it's like, just, I want to talk to Prince. Just you get to be with Jesus, so be with Jesus. So I find the Bible difficult. I totally understand what you're saying, but just start. Invite the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to come. Do it every day. I do it at the start of the day, because quite honestly, by the end of the day, if you see me trying to read in bed, it's like this, oh. Are you like that? I want to say there's no right time to read your Bible, but why don't you rather happen to your day rather than your, ha- your day happening to you? Just be with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus, not because you have to, but because you get to. Community groups, 
Don't be in this church and not be in a community group or a trio. And may that trio be centered around Jesus. May that community group, if you're just talking about random stuff, then put up your hand and say, can we put Jesus in the center? Light a fire in the middle of their lounge if you have to. Just make it all about Jesus. Let's have Sunday meetings, which I do believe we do have, but they're all about Jesus. Let's have rhythms in our lives that it would be evident if we were on trial like Peter and John were on trial. Would the evidence of your life, would there be enough to convict you that you'd been with Jesus? If you looked at your diary, if you looked at your money, if you looked at where you're investing yourself, if you looked at what you're interested in, and if we could have a transcript of all your thoughts, would you be convicted of having been with Jesus? That's the thing we're thinking about, isn't it? Brothers and sisters, Peter and them weren't trying to make a case that they'd been with Jesus. It was evident. I want to say, God, would you do it again in our lives? Hey, do it again, Lord. I want to say all of this is because you get to do it, not because you have to do it. You know, I get to be married to Nadine. I believe I could be found guilty as charged as loving Nadine. Because if you looked at my diary, if you looked at my time spent, my money spent, if you got a transcript of my thoughts, if you analyzed what I'd chosen to do and not chosen to do, and how many photos I have of Nadine, I'd be convicted of, yes, he seems to like Nadine. You get, you get the story? Well, I want to be convicted of something else even more. This man had been with Jesus. Don't you want that for your life? I want that for your life. May we be a community who are saturated by the presence of Jesus. Because when you like that, you'll see amazing things happen in your life and through your life. Why don't we stand and I'm going to pray as we come to a close. This community was a community centered around Jesus and their lives were saturated with the presence of Jesus. They had been with Jesus. Why don't you lift up your hands or put your hands on your heart or just you engage. This isn't just what we do at the end of the meeting. Why don't you just speak to Jesus yourself? You don't need me. You've got Jesus. Why don't you just, in your own words, say, Jesus, I want you to be the center of my life. I don't want you to be just an add-on. Pray for our church as well, that Jesus would truly be the center of every single gathering. He'd be the center of our rhythms, of our diaries. May we be convicted as those who had been with Jesus, who carry the fragrance of Jesus wherever we go. The beautiful name of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Right now, you might feel like there's a gap in your life between what I've been preaching about, what I've been describing in Scripture, and what you've experienced Don't be discouraged by the gap. Just turn it into prayer. Just say, Jesus, I give you the gap. Just tell him right now, Lord, I give you the gap in my life between where I want to be and what I see in Scripture and where I am right now. 
and just ask God to forgive you and ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus takes those people who are nothing and he makes them into something. I thank you, Lord God, that every single one of us, Lord, that the the Bible is full of characters who aren't winning any morality contests. They're not winning any academic contests. Lord, they're just ordinary people, and you did a work in their life. And so as God, we say, do it again in each of our lives. I ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for those who really have struggled to read their Bible. I pray, God, would you help them? Would you explode the Word of God in their hearts? Would you give them easy ways to start? And I pray that you'd meet them as they spend time with you. God, you would be with them in a remarkable way. I ask this in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for our worship team again. Lord, we thank you for them. We pray, God, would you supersaturate them, Lord, with such a love for you, such an awareness of you. We ask, Lord, for those who lead community groups, Lord, those who lead in our youth, Lord God, those who, those who lead in any way, those who serve our children. God, we say, Lord, saturate them with your presence. But we pray for every person in Recro Church. Lord, I pray even for the first time visitor this morning, Lord, would you fill them with the Holy Spirit? We ask this. We say, do it again, Lord, in our day. In Jesus' name, amen.